right, we are live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Redefine Tomorrow. Thank you to SCB10X for the invitation. And very excited today to talk about Arbitrum and L2. Just as a quick intro, uh, nice to meet you. My name is Shikai, and I'm from Long Hedge Ventures. We are an investor and accelerator based out of Singapore as well as China. And of course, joining us, we have uh, Stephen, the co-founder of Offchain Labs, building Arbitrum. So nice to see you again, Stephen. Likewise, great to see you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, if I may just start off with a, a quick, uh, I guess, news highlight about Reddit. I was so excited to see the news about them using uh, Arbitrum for scaling their tokens, right? Like the decentralized social media narrative, I think is really starting to take off. Yeah, it's super exciting news for us and it's a long time coming. We were uh, you know, working with our team for uh, several months now and obviously, uh, have been looking forward uh, to, to today since we submitted our proposal to the Bake Off last year, uh, just about a year ago. So really, really excited to uh, to get to this point. I think uh, you know we're still still in early days, and looking forward to continuing to work with their team, uh, and you know for a long time to come to scale Ethereum and really bring the masses to Ethereum. I think this is the first you know uh, um, like uh, traditional web company that's really doing something very very large in Ethereum, or at least the first one that I can think of offhand and it's uh really really exciting uh for us to be a part of that and uh yeah this is definitely a, a very very big day for us indeed indeed yes we're gonna dive a lot more into that as well of course like today has been a highlight especially with that news but it hasn't always been that kind of uh, rosy right it has been a long journey to get to here and i understand that uh, abtrim and yourself came from very academic roots and then like just built all the way here so would you like to kick it off with sharing how it all started and how your journey in crypto started. Yeah, definitely. So my journey in crypto started uh, definitely was an academic roots. That that's correct. I I was as a as a PhD student uh, right when I got to Princeton. My advisor Arvind Ryanan sort of introduced me to uh, well Bitcoin at the time, and uh, I, I was fascinated by it. And and over time, got into uh, you know uh, smart contracts, Ethereum as Ethereum. Uh, um, you know, um, developed over time. And uh, so that's my personal story of how I was first introduced and really during the course of my PhD, uh, got more and more involved and interested in the space. Um, but Arbitrum uh, has, has a similarly early story. So that's my co-founder, Ed, uh, really was the first one to think of, 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 you know, to envision what, you know, an early stage of what Arbitrum is today. And, um, you know, Ed, if, if you look back, uh, Ed, Ed's been thinking about scaling blockchains and scaling uh, smart contracts, you know, for, for years and years, even before the Ethereum was, Ethereum was live. Because uh, it was always clear to us, uh, clear to Ed, I should say, that, you know, one of two things will happen. Either, like, this technology takes off and it needs to scale or the technology goes away. And we didn't think that the technology was going away. So we were pretty sure that uh, this was going to, you know, keep on uh, the usage and demand and the community interest was going to keep on increasing. And then, you know, at that point, it was obvious to us that that uh, we needed to scale and start thinking about scale early because, you know, scaling wasn't a problem that, you know, it's 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 become dire in the past, say, six months, one year. But, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of clear that was coming for a long time. So we've been uh, thinking about these problems uh, for a very long time. And uh, so basically, so Ed was, Ed was uh, you know, the earliest uh, one of us involved in Arbitrum. And then uh, Ed went off to the White House uh, he was a senior advisor to President Obama and deputy CTO of the White House. And uh, when he came back in 2017, that's when Harry, my other co-founder, and myself, we sort of went into Ed's office and said, hey, Ed, you know, that Arbitrum thing you, you were working on, 
a few years back. I think it's time we picked that up. And we first picked it up in an academic context and um, published a paper on it. And in 2018, we, we uh, spun out the company and it was clear to us that, that we wanted to actually build something and, uh, and build something, you know, Ethereum was obviously already live and, uh, and at that point. So in, from, the, from, the, from the earliest days of the company, we were on Ethereum layer two. Um, that was clear to us. And uh, yeah, you know, we, we've been building, building, building for years. And uh, I guess today is a nice culmination of that where we see, you know, the actually taking these years of years of work, academic work, company work, and actually seeing, um, you know, a very large uh, internet player come and, and build with us. And, and it's really a validation for everything we've been doing. And again, though, I think this is early on. Uh, I think we'll, we'll, uh, we're looking forward to, uh, you know, many, 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 many more more good years of uh, scaling together and bringing more and more users uh, onto Ethereum and 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 uh, into the world of decentralization. Indeed, if I may just zoom in a little bit on your journey there, because I think there are a lot of academics and, and students and PhDs, researchers who would like to also go through a similar journey, right? Of like actually building something impactful and seeing it come to fruition. Uh, and often it, it is kind of a struggle, right? Because from the, for developers, you know, they've been building applications and entrepreneurs, right? For like financial people, like maybe they come into DeFi like quite uh, naturally. But for an academic, right? How did you actually make that transition and actually make the decision to start the company and sustain it for the number of years before you know we see the traction we have today? Yeah, it's a great question, and and it really depends. And there are, there are sort of different types of researchers. Um, my personal flavor has always been. Um, rather than starting from the solution, starting from the problem and taking something which I think is going to be a real world problem, because those are the things that I can get most motivated about and and trying to build a solution for that. And, uh, you know, for example, uh, some of my PhD work was in uh, digital uh, asset custody. I did work in threshold ECDSA. And, uh, you know, there are a bunch of companies that are that are built around building and using that technology now, like Fireblocks and others. And uh, similarly with Arbitrum and scaling, um, you know, we, we, we sort of, as an academic, you have the freedom to take a big bet problem, a problem where uh, you don't need to produce a solution right now, right away. And you have, you know, your, your time to, to sort of think about it and build a solution. And, you know, this was clear to us that um, it was a years, years away to, to, you know, to build a solution to this problem and something that we thought was going to be very, very needed. And that motivated us. And in the academic context, that's all you need. You have a problem you're excited about. You can, you know, build and write a paper about it, and you don't need to justify that. And you know, we've we've been fortunate to have some really, really uh, great uh, backers in the company days who really believed in our vision and were willing to support us through the years of building it took it took to get here. But fundamentally, I would tell any academic looking at this, it's really about getting, you know, looking to real world problems and actually talking to people, uh, talking to actual engineers and and entrepreneurs, and saying, what are your problems? What are the problems that are too hard for you to solve today? And say and spending time looking at those rather than starting from some clever solution and then trying to find the real world, world application, which is also you know a, a fine approach to uh, to academic work, but it w often won't have the same uh, you know immediate use case than starting from the use case and, and building backwards. Indeed, indeed, it's uh, interesting how like the same kind of piece of uh, recommendation it's it's universal throughout like all of the you know, investors and projects, and we love to tell our founders the same thing. But uh, also from the academic angle, interesting to hear that uh, it is the same approach. So even though we can say that, you know, come from, coming from academic roots or having an academic culture does not mean that, that you know, we just kind of like lock ourselves in the study and, and research about uh, what's, what's new to build, right? Like listening to the ground and, and building something useful that people want. So absolutely. Yeah, definitely. 
Awesome. So let's take a snapshot then coming in on to today, right? You know, we, we hear about Reddit. What else would you like to share about the Arbitrum ecosystem? Just some uh, high-level facts on where we are today. Yeah, so uh, you know, we're, we're at a very exciting time for us. So Reddit's obviously um, um, you know, super, super um, exciting for us and very fresh news. But uh, there are also uh, hundreds of other products that we're working with on, on the contest for Arbitrum 1 that are building on Arbitrum 1. So we're right now in a... Uh, developer uh, mainnet stage of Arbitrum 1, and we're basically readying this, this uh, ecosystem. And we have uh, dozens of projects uh, or you know, many, many projects you know, uh, that, have that, that are already deployed, hundreds that are in the process of deploying, including um, some of the biggest uh, infrastructure providers and uh, dApps on Ethereum. So this is uh, also super exciting for us. And it's a really, really um, you know, interesting and hard coordination problem where um, basically our view is to, and there are different views on how to launch an ecosystem, but our view is to try to get a full ecosystem up and ready. So when users come on day one, they'll know exactly what, you know, they'll have a, they'll, everything that they want will be there and be ready for them. Their assets will be bridged. Uh, they'll have lending, they'll have uh, exchanges, they'll have options, they'll have derivatives. They'll really have everything on the platform and we're, uh, you know, well, well on the way to this. And I think, you know, the main thing that we, um, that we that we realized along the way, uh, something that, for example, in our early academic days wasn't the case, but uh, has really been a focus in the company, is um, EVM compatibility and really making sure that we are fully, fully compatible with the tool chain that people already know, that people already wrote codes with, code in, that apps are already written in. So all the existing code and all the existing developer knowledge, we are super, super compatible there and make it really as easy as possible, as easy as possible for developers to build on us. And we think that's that's a big reason uh, of why we have uh, so many teams we're working with because you know we we, we rather than having them uh, change their their code and change their paradigms to to meet to you know to uh, to meet something new for L two we've designed the L two in a way that we did the heavy lifting in a way that makes everything else easier for people for people building on us so I think that's you know in terms of what our focus is uh, it's really um, Arbitrum one and also um, again supporting. Um, you know, big you know, supporting others and bringing masses to Ethereum, like like Reddit. You know, we we really believe in scaling Ethereum, and um, and in on one hand, tap into the Ethereum stack and make it easy for projects to build, and also look for new opportunities like Reddit of how to bring masses and masses of users and millions and millions of users, new users to to Ethereum and experience uh, you know the the ecosystem that we love. Mm -hmm. A recurring theme that you mentioned a couple of times there is around how easy it is to deploy on Arbitrum, right? Uh, and would you like to just elaborate a bit about that? And also, did that come from, you know, the feedback and approach of like talking to developers? You know, what were some of the, the major things that they were looking out for uh, and they found in Arbitrum? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, where we are today really came uh, from talking to developers and Again, if you look at the early, in the academic context, we were blockchain agnostic. We didn't even, you know, we said it doesn't matter. In an academic, in an academic world, that's that's a plus. It's like, oh, you can fit onto anything. But when you sort of get into the company phase, you have to know what you're building. And so initially, it was always clear to us we're building on Ethereum. You know, we're you know, always wanted to be part and felt a part of the Ethereum community and are big believers uh, in Ethereum and, and still are. Um, but compatibility was something which we learned along the along the way. Uh, maybe about a year and a half ago, we put out our initial alpha of our software, and uh, it was almost compatible, but it had like a custom compiler and it had 
certain, you know, it was maybe 90% compatible with Ethereum. And something we learned from speaking with developers is that the difference between being 90% compatible and 100% compatible is like super massive, right? It's the difference between having to think about it and re-architect your code and saying, oh, what doesn't work, what's different, maybe having to repeat your security audits and the difference between having to do absolutely nothing. So I think that's something we learned along the way. Um, you know, there are many things we learned along the way and it's always from feedback um, with from users and developers and them trying our system and saying, hey, I wish we you can have this. And so one thing we do, uh, we, we, we launched our test net in October. So, uh, you know, many months ago, and um, we've had the fortune of having many teams build on that. And, and along the way, we launched six test nets and constantly iterating. And, you know, other than, of course, there's performance and stability changes that we made along the way. But one of the biggest points of feedback and changes were driven by uh, the community themselves and telling us, hey, we need this. Hey, we think that uh, this call should have this semantic or, or something like that. And really, we learn from what people want. Because ultimately, our goal is to provide a scaling solution that people want. And uh, how better than to actually hear from the developers and incorporate their feedback. So, um, yeah, I think that's everything we've done today is really a culmination uh, of learning and, and we're still learning and there will still be feature requests and changes. And, and one of the things we have is uh, the ability to iterate rather quickly and something which will, uh, you know, continue to do to make sure we build the product that people uh, really want and will use. Mm -hmm. If I may pick up on something you just said that's really interesting around like the 90% compatibility versus the 100% compatibility, right? Uh, and this in a way, I guess, can be framed as, you know, Arbitrum's uh, differentiator in, that, in the sense that like really nothing needs to change, right? Like the entire code base uh, can be the same and even experience, uh, I think you mentioned before on the infrastructure is completely the same. They can rely on the same uh, tools and infrastructure that they were relying on on layer one as well. Yeah, so everything that that's exactly that's exactly right. Everything that um, yeah, the only thing basically that uh, ever comes up in our in our conversations that needs to change is essentially gas prices that because we do different gas encoding. So if you have hard coded gas prices, we need to change those. But basically, the entire code can change. Okay, can can stay with essentially no changes. And um, any infrastructure that you know that relies on the on the API. Uh, that doesn't need to go into the sort of the internal guts will we'll, we'll work just out of the box. And we found that with like Truffle and Hardhat and, um, and as well as, uh, um, you know, we're supported, fortunate to be supported by some of the largest infrastructure providers in Ethereum, uh, such as um, um, Consensus, Infura, Alchemy, um, Chainlink, uh, The Graph, um, you name it, uh, Etherscan. And uh, you would have the you know the the ability of of the uh, you know their ability to to integrate with us is is uh, super super simple because we provide the same API as Ethereum the same surface as Ethereum so integrating with us is important and that's a big part of the developer experience right because everything I said before which is like we give you the same code uh, you can use your same code that's that's part of the developer experience but the other part is also having your familiar infrastructure right it's not just uh, blockchain developers don't just push code they also have dependencies infrastructure dependencies app dependencies so it's really a part uh, you know part of it is what we can do. We can get the developer experience and the code to be to be compatible, fully compatible, and that's what we did. But it's also enabling the uh, Ethereum infrastructure providers and working with them to deploy and support us as well. And that's part of this this hard hard uh, process of coordinating the migration of an ecosystem and something which you know we're very we're very deep into right now. But fortunate to work with excellent partners and and give them the tools that they need to integrate seamlessly and not have to make large scale changes to their setup or to their code. Awesome! Awesome! Yes, this is this indeed very exciting. Uh, and now to, to move on to a second part, right? So with all these like easy onboarding and, and uh, 
these apps are hundreds of them already kind of like wanting to deploy on Arbitrum. Then we come to a point where we, we talk about some network effects that potentially can form, right? Or is that kind of a misnomer because you know, there are so many layer twos and the idea is that there's some sort of competition, but everybody's kind of in the end scaling Ethereum. Uh, but at the same time, you want to accumulate some sort of network effects for Arbitrum specifically, right? Would you like to just elaborate on, on how, what kind of ecosystem or network effects that the Arbitrum actually builds and how that relates back to the Ethereum ecosystem or other layer twos? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the, the biggest network effect is really Ethereum. Uh, the Ethereum Ethereum is, uh, you know, we're believer, believers in Ethereum. We're part of the Ethereum community. Um, every arbitrary transaction is uh, has a counterpart in Ethereum. You know, they're batched, but every arbitrary transaction puts data on Ethereum. And so, you know, the biggest network effect that we're fortunate to be a part of is really Ethereum. And we think that that's the strongest network effect there. There's so many, so many believers in Ethereum, so many projects that just will only launch on, a, on an Ethereum uh, layer two, Ethereum or Ethereum layer two. So that's, of course, you know, the biggest network effect that we're very much a part of. But in terms of, of course, you know, even when you look at a specific rollup like Arbitrum on Ethereum, there are network effects there as well. So, you know, all of these uh, infrastructure providers that I just mentioned, um, you know, that that enables, there are so many projects that rely on those. There are projects that rely on, you know, we, there's, if you look at, uh, you know, different projects, they're basically dependency graphs, right? There are certain projects that they can't, they can't build without, say, Chainlink support, or they can't build without, say, uh, Gnosis Safe, uh, or they can't build without, um, you know, they, they, you know, they can't build without Uniswap, right? So there are so many projects that um, that need, uh, and these are just to name a few. Not to, you know, there are there are lots of excellent, excellent projects we're working with. So um, not to be exclusive at all, but the idea is that. The dependency graphs are complex and you can view it as a pyramid. There are some on the bottom, that's like the core infrastructure. And then like the, you know, the apps like Uniswap are towards the bottom. Then there are apps on top that just need so many pieces. And, and the more pieces you get, the more apps you unlock, right? So that's, that's something which we found, of course. And, and then building that network and having that network is super important because when, if you're an app that has dependencies and those dependencies are already live in Arbitrum or, uh, or, or Arbitrum 1, uh, that becomes, uh, you know, very, very compelling and easy for you to build on. So that was definitely the network effects are are very important there, and uh, which is one of the reasons why, you know, we're doing this coordination problem of of actually moving people uh, onto onto our Arbitrum one, and and it takes time, of course. You know, we launched our developer mainnet on May twenty eighth, and we've been fascinated by the, you know, been super happy with the pace uh, of of all these projects are building. But um, we're building the pyramid, and you have to start from the bottom layer. So first, you know, we needed to let the infrastructure in and do their thing and then apps that just have infrastructure dependencies and then we build the pyramid from there and we're quite far along there but definitely um uh if you tried building the network any other way it just wouldn't work right you can't start at the top because then there are just these apps can't launch because they require pieces that aren't there so uh definitely i think there's very very strong network effects both uh ethereum's network effect as well as arbitrum's uh net network effect there and um i think it will be very compelling for projects to come and build their and stay there over time as well. Indeed. Of course, anytime we talk about network effects, uh, by definition, they're somewhat exclusionary as well, right? So this means that, you know, fundamentally there's some level of fragmentation still between the layer twos and, you know, there are bridges that are required like with other side chains or EVM compatible chains as well, right? And that's something that I guess we're all trying to solve. Uh, and and in to a certain extent, right? Like for, for Arbitrum as well, we'll, we'll need a lot of, uh, 
bridging for liquidity and then withdrawals and so on. Would you like to just elaborate a bit about how that can be addressed or, or is this kind of like, we want it to be a problem so that it becomes a vote for Arbitrum? Yeah, no, I think I think that, um, you know, it, it, it is important. Uh, you know, of course, network effects do imply this and bridging is a super important uh, part of part of the ecosystem now. And I think a part that's going to become um, more advanced over time. Um, and, and even, you know, even if you just focus on, on Arbitrum and, and take the Reddit example for today, right? Reddit is doing uh, uh, another chain, and another Arbitrum chain. So uh, there will still need to be bridging there. And, you know, we view this, uh, you know, I think in the long run, uh, what you'll find is synergistic chains. You might have like um, a chain devoted to scaling communities. You might have an NFT chain. You might have a, a DeFi chain. You know, right now uh, we're at the point where we can probably put this all in one roll up and that will last us for, for you know, some time. But over time, as if, the, if the demand and, you know, and the influx of new users and new developers uh, to Ethereum um, uh, comes, you know, we'll need uh, multiple rollups, uh, even if they're all, even, you know, e even if there are multiple Arbitrum chains, like we're seeing uh, today, uh, the first example of that. And so fundamentally, we want good bridging and we need good bridging. And we're, we're fortunate to work with some really, really excellent projects here. And there are lots of them. And, you know, we, we, you know, we're, we're, we, as, as with everything we do, we're agnostic and really try to work with everyone. And I think though today, um, the, you know, there's, I think there's going to be a lot of, I mentioned, um, new developments and focus on this. And today, um, a lot of the, the bridging is really about transferring assets and they focus on transferring assets quickly. So, um, getting uh, getting over any like withdrawal delays that systems like optimistic rollups uh, have, uh, and also cheaply, right? So doing things more cheaply than using the native bridges. So this is like the focus of bridging today. But I think over time, the focus will also uh, turn to not only how do we do bridging of assets, how do we do things like br actual bridging, like protocols and like shared liquidity. And you know, back to your initial question for academics listening today. This is something we don't know how to do, but it's critically important. And I think it's critically important to the future of this space. So this is one of those big bet problems that that is like, well, you know, if, if you solve this and find, figure out good way, and there are some great projects that are already, you know, looking into this and solving this, but we're in very, very early days. But I think bridging is going to become more important and I think more advanced over time. And we definitely welcome that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, in fact, I think we can already see a lot of that happening today. And, and as I understand, of course, with the setup of uh, Arbitrum, like there is a need for uh, bridging and like these like fast bridges as well, like for, for fast withdrawals. Uh, so certainly that, that will be very, very much needed. But how, do, how should projects think about it, right? Because you mentioned like a potential future where every application is going to have its own chain. To a certain extent, uh, we see that happening already. Like Axie has its own chain. Like you said, Reddit's going to have its own implementation. Uh, we have things like Polkadot and Cosmos coming up and all of them are their own chains <laughs> in a way. So uh, at this at this current point in time, like DeFi applications, essentially they're going to have to implementations on it almost like every single layer too, it seems like. Uh, is that going to, is that basically a, a patchwork interim solution? Uh, and we're going to move towards like, for example, Compa having its own chain, Uniswap having its own chain, and then in the end, it's all just bridges. Uh, in that in that case, you know, like where do rollups play? Yeah. So to clarify, I didn't mean to suggest that all, every application will have its own chain. I think the few, the, the the long term future that I think will happen is different verticals will have their own chain. So you'll have DeFi chain. You'll have you know uh, Uniswap and Aave will be on the same chain, but they'll probably you know at some point. Uh, come to, um, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, court, they'll consolidate. They won't, you know, they think the launching on every chain is, is uh, 
is uh, more of a medium-term solution. But I think there'll be there will be consolidation over time. But I think you'll have an NFT chain, and I think you'll have um, uh, chains for other you know other verticals that we don't even imagine today. I'm, I can't guess what the next thing will be, um, but maybe gaming, for example, is something we see up and coming. You'll have a gaming chain, and I think the idea here is um, there's a there's a balance between scalability. Right? So if everything was on its own chain and state state bloat, right? So you don't uh, if everything was on its own chain, the the cost of of validating any one of these would be low, and we also be able to do a lot more in parallel. Uh, but on the other end of the spectrum, it's composability, right? The 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 amazing you know the magic of DeFi is really the composability that you can do this transaction that calls out to a bunch of different DeFi protocols and borrows and exchanges all atomically in one transaction. And I don't think that's going away. I think that that's super important. So I think uh, having one chain is going, you know, we will have, I don't think we'll, we'll get to a world where every app has its own chain. I think we'll see um, big ecosystems develop on one chain and that's here to stay. But I do think we'll see projects almost self-organizing over time and, hey, do I need to compose with these projects or am I really, you know, comfortable being in a silo with those projects? And I think we'll see these sort of uh, communities almost like self-sharding uh, pop up over time. That's at least my medium term to long-term vision. Again, right now, from our perspective, we're onboarding everyone onto Arbitrum 1 for the most part, uh, DeFi, mm-hmm. NFT, and, and, and we think, you know, that will be enough for a very long time. But I do think that um, over time, we will see different um Chains pop up over 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 uh, synergistic. Um, uh, who do you want to compose with? The synergistic relationships, and I think the composability in these, in the you know, within a chain will probably always be the best and always be the easiest and better than any, any bridge we have. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, as we make as bridges get better and better, we can really potentially bridge that gap to uh, no pun intended uh, to uh, sort of uh, have have every have have sort of have your cake and eat it have. Uh, low state flow and in multiple chains and parallelism and also have um, the ability to uh, to some extent share liquidity in between these. But I think uh, I don't think that the idea of having multiple projects composed in one chain is going away really ever. I think that's a critical part of of, of, what, of what we're doing here. Indeed. Indeed. So in, in that future that you are envisioning or, or projecting, predicting, where would Arbitrum play, right? And how would you position Arbitrum today to then, you know, capture that kind of future? Yeah, so I think Arbitrum is 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 a strong part of that future. I think rollups are a strong part of that future. And I think um, again, I'm a big believer in the Ethereum ecosystem, and I think rollups are the end game for the Ethereum ecosystem, and that's where we end up. And I think we'll probably ha- end up in a place where we have several rollups. And you know, for all I know, they could all be Arbitrum rollups, right? We have the Arbitrum one chain, maybe that's you know where which has you know strong strong DeFi presence today. Um, maybe the Arbitrum Reddit chain is really uh, optimized for scaling communities. And maybe you have an Arbitrum Gaming and NFT chain, and and, and, and and you know we have great respect for others in the space as well. That's not to suggest there won't you know maybe there will be others as well. Um, and, but I'm just sort of giving the view of I think there will be a small number of rollups, um, uh, you know, relatively small number of rollups are, are organized around verticals. And I think over time rollups will get better as well, and we'll uh, make more advancements there and in, in increasing scaling, increasing capacity there, um, you know, and less state load uh, over time as well. But I think you know we're far away from 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 um, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a process over time to get there. But I think in the, in the long, sorry, in the short to medium term, I think uh, just getting everyone on board a roll up is going to be great. Getting people onto Arbitrum One and building these synergistic communities, and then figuring out over time, um, you know, what comes next, how we scale along different verticals. If verticals pop up, they don't need they don't need to compose with DeFi. 
Uh, and a lot of the sort of NFT projects have this today. And that's why there are solutions that are application specific for NFTs, like Starker has a bunch of these and, and they really work well for NFTs, but they really highlight the point that so there are certain projects that don't need to be composing with other projects so closely. And, um, you know, that's that's fine and we should support that. I think we will support that. And to take Reddit again as, as an example to, to wrap things up where we began them, um, you know, they made the decision that, um, you know, for, for what they're doing, um, you know, they think that, that launching another chain makes sense. They don't need to compose every app on Arbitrum 1. And I think that, that that's, uh, you know, um, for their application and for the applications that they envision launching alongside them on their chain is, is really, really powerful and something which uh, will develop more over time as different industries and different verticals emerge uh, and synergistic relationships in these industries become clear. Awesome. We are just running out of time. If I just can wrap up with like one piece of, I guess, um, advice or insight, surprising fact that you'd like to share with everyone here, what would it be? Well, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I think, um, I guess the thing I'll share is that, um, you know, working in an academic context is very different. You think you start, sit down with a piece of paper and you can solve all the problems working in a, and you actually take that into the world and into uh, try to build things for people. Um, you really can't do everything alone. So uh, you know, as as important as as you know as what we're doing is, uh, it's really really a community project, and we need the help of. It's not us alone. It's not our, our team alone can't do this. We need the help of, of really everyone. So everyone that's other developers, other projects, uh, users, community members, giving feedback, telling us what they want. And I think this is really. Uh, you know, it's it's not about Arbitrum. It's really about Ethereum. And Ethereum is a massive community, and it's really bigger than than one project or or, or one person or or really anything. And so, I would encourage everyone to really please reach out, work with us. Hey, join our team if you're if you're looking. Um, but really, you know, this is this is really a community project and something which we're we're we really want to solve problems for everyone. And the only way that we can do that is aligning and doing that together. Indeed. So, call to action to everyone to come and join us and also check Arbitrum and all the layer twos. Thank you again so much, Stephen, for joining us. And thank you, SCV, for organizing Redefine tomorrow. Hope you enjoyed today's session. See you. See you. Thanks for having me.